you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to John chapter 15, verse 18. John chapter 15, verse 18. Title of this morning's message is Promises in Persecution. Promises in Persecution. But we're really speaking about having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we invite your Spirit in this place. God, we look into your Word that we would apply it to our lives, open our eyes our ears, our hearts to hear and and to feel and to go from this place changed, transformed, renewed, filled up. God, and before that, Lord, Lord, we pray for you to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God, to empty my heart out, empty my mind out. Lord, to just receive from you, not, not from Pastor Heath, God, but to receive from you. Lord, and let me not speak anything, God, that does not glorify you or that you do not have for me to speak today, God. And we just pray a blessing over every person uh, who hears this message today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Promises in persecution. Uh, spiritual survival is kind of a topic we'd say we were talking about this morning. Spiritual survival. How do we survive spiritually uh, in such a godless world that we see today? How do we survive spiritually today? Um, how do you speak truth when no one wants to hear it? How do you endure seasons of suffering and trial and, and even loss? How do you count it all joy uh, to endure various trials? Uh, and that's something crazy, right? Count it all joy, James says, to endure various trials. You know, in recent years, we have seen an unprecedented number at an unprecedented rate of sin approval in our country. Um, even, I'm a, I'm a young guy, but whether we would talk about we've approved, uh, we've got sin-approving churches now, uh, sin-approving denominations, sin-approving pastors. Uh, we have sin-approving laws in our country. Uh, we've got the recent ones, but we also have years ago when we approved abortion, uh, even before I w- when I was young. You know, uh, we've got uh, sin-approving abortion, sin-approving uh, laws in our church, in our in our our country. We've got the government silencing speech against sin. We've got the uh, targeted job loss of Christians. Even just recently, uh, the New York uh, mayor coming against Chick-fil-A, a Christian-owned businesses, to boycott them in his city uh, because of their Christian values. Uh, we've, we've, we've never seen a day like this in our country. Uh, and it's not just about America. Uh, we see legal punishments and denial of opportunities against business owners in America and in Europe today at an unrecord, uh, unprecedented rate from uh, Christian bakeries to Christian uh, reception halls to Christian hotels, Christian restaurants. Uh, all of these things are being condemned. We've even seen in our country, even here and in Europe, uh, the government petitioning to receive pastor sermons that they would uh, read through them and determine whether or not they were preaching against the laws or the, uh, the people of that day. We saw it in Houston, trying to petition the pastor sermon. Uh, even in, uh, you've seen even in Europe, pastors have gone before the, 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 their, great, their Congress, if you will, their parliament, to defend themselves about things they've preached. Uh, and, and it's happening worldwide, even, uh, and that's just in our country, that's just in the last 10 years, if those things, a lot of this is just in the last year, uh, around the world today you see Christian persecution at a record level uh, in many countries, uh, in the Middle East, and uh, as soon as God pastor was just beaten last month uh, in India, him and his family were beaten 
for preaching the gospel. He had to run into a marketplace to grab his daughter out. They beat him and they were about to throw him off of a bridge before uh, family came and rescued him and took him to the hospital. Uh, This is happening globally. But at the same time is revival. At the same time, revival is happening. And often you see in Scripture the two go hand in hand. And there are great promises in the Holy Spirit in days of persecution. And we're going to look at that this morning. And we are going back, uh, we're kind of keeping in step with where we've been in our Love Sums It series. Uh, for those of you who've heard those, those messages, they're online uh, if you haven't. But we are, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, He gave this great promise and He said, Hey, a new covenant I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you, uh, so love one another. And so He's telling them, Hey, I'm going to die. These things are coming, but love one another. And He gives them seven promises that night of what they could uh, expect. He says it's going to be bad but I'm going to give you some seven. I'm going to give you seven promises this morning that Jesus gave before He Himself was persecuted to death. All right, and this morning we're going to take some encouragement. In this, but Christ not only warned His church of persecution, but He gave powerful promises, powerful promises to those who would stand upon them in faith and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready this morning? Somebody say Amen. 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 Number one, the first promise we can expect today is the promise of a hard road. You and I today can expect the promise of a hard road. The Christianity is not some easy thing. You just want to take it lightly. He said, count the costs before you take up your cross. Don't just, it's like a guy who's going to build a house or, or, or something, or go to war. He's got to examine himself and say, is this something I think I can do? And you can by the power of God, by faith. All right. John chapter 15, verse 18. You have the promise and his word to be hated. You have a promise to be hated. If the world hates you, Jesus said, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Because this world hates you. Remember, the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. Jesus comes, he says, I'm revealed their sin. And it says it was fulfilled that they hated me without a cause. Why? Because they did not like their sin being revealed and they did not want to submit to the authority of God. And that's what we see in the world today. There's persecution. He says, hey, I'm sending you out as sheep amidst the wolves. And man, you're going to see a day come. And even it happened right after Jesus died. And it's happened still yet today that families turn in families. That they're going to take you to the synagogues. They're going to beat you. They're going to arrest you. They're going to threaten you to to be silent. It's going to be like that until I come back again. You're going to be arrested. Everyone's going to hate you. But if you endure to the end, you'll be saved. The definition, I looked it up, of persecution today. I was kind of curious. Persecution is defined like this, uh, says the Holman Bible Dictionary. It says, persecution is, is at several levels. The first is intimidation. The first is intimidation. Persecution is intimidation. Then there is the attempt to silence. Then there is the attempt to punish. And then there is the attempt to kill. So it goes from intimidation to silencing to punishing 
to killing. And, you know, we've seen certain levels now in the United States, uh, but then now we're seeing around the world the death toll rising uh, and ISIS killing Christians at, at a record level over in the Middle East. Uh, and so persecution comes in different levels. And so when you are intimidated to stop talking about Jesus Christ, that's persecution at its lowest level. If you are called to be silent for your values, you're standing upon the word of God, that's persecution. Uh, It's at its lowest level. But you can be assured if it starts somewhere, it's probably going to end up over here. You understand this morning? And so this morning he says, you can take this to the bank. They're going to try to intimidate you to stop talking about me. They're going to try to silence you to not talk about me. They're going to intimidate you. They may even kill you. But history has told us that God's people have been persecuted in every age. Think it from this. We go back. We got Israel and Egypt was persecuted. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, were persecuted. Elijah was persecuted by Jezebel and the prophets of Baal. You've got the prophets of Amos and Jeremiah. All these in the Old Testament were persecuted. Then we go to Jesus himself. He was persecuted along with all of his disciples, only John being the only one that did not die a martyr's death. That was because God had for him to write the revelation. Uh, All of the disciples were persecuted. Many of them, some of them uh, were dragged behind carts, uh, filleted with their skin wide open, boiled to death. All these people in the early church, many of them torn apart uh, by lions for the glory of God. And he says, you can count on this. All right, now look with me. Uh, Paul says, uh, or sorry, we go back, that's the disciples. You go to the early church, the early church, 300 years after, or 200 years after Jesus. Uh, It says the early church was called cannibals. They were rumored to practice incest. The world told everybody they were magicians and sorcerers. Uh, They were outcast by their families because they refused to sacrifice to the Greek gods. And an unofficial law went through the Roman Empire that Christians were to be detained, arrested, silenced, uh, even threatened with death. But there was, you know this, there was never a law against Christianity in Rome. Do you know that? You hear about these persecutions of Roman Christians and you hear, oh man, the early church persecuted. There was never a written law anti-Christianity in Rome. Rome was called to be one of the most tolerant empires in the world. We accept everybody. But what happens was as Christianity began preaching and seeing the temples emptied and the church's house and the upper rooms filled and the government didn't like it. And they were called rebels, instigators. They they were feared because they thought they could start a riot. The culture was changing and and they were entering all these. uh, The status quo of the day was changing. And so uh, there was never a law against them, but they were threatened, even imprisoned. And so I'm telling you today, there doesn't have to be a law that says we can't have church here today for there to be persecution. There does not have to. We're not waiting on a law that says anti-Christianity or or anything like that. It happened in Rome before. It can happen here today. It doesn't have to be written down. It's just the culture that that comes against anti-Christ culture. Paul said in the last days to Timothy before he died, he said, he's his son in the faith. He says, there's going to be terrible times ahead for the church in these last days. How many know we're living in the last days today? He says, there's going to be a day like where men are lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, unable to be reconciled, they will be. Malicious gossips. They'll have no self-control. They'll be brutal. They'll be haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness 
but denying its power. Jesus is telling us this today, and he told us this this back then before he died and was persecuted and, and killed, so that you and I would know and be prepared. Church, are you ready? Are you ready to live in the last days? Do you have what it takes? Are you ready to put everything else second to put God first? Because that's the only way, church, we're going to make it. The only way are your children are going to make it in the coming days. The only way we're going to have the continued presence of God in this place is by seeking Him first and saying, God, I don't care what they do. I don't care what the government says. I don't care what culture does. I don't care how immoral it gets. What's on television? God, we're just going to turn it off. God, we're going to seek You first. My family, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We've got to make up our minds this morning. Amen? doesn't matter what the rest of the world does. We're making up our minds. There is coming a time in this country... When there, and it may be already here, where no one will want to hear the truth. What are you going to do? Are you going to be intimidated? Silenced? Are you going to give in to the compromise of an unholy life and everybody else is coming out of the closet? Are you going to go in? Come on. Who are we going to be? We are the church of the living God. We are the kingdom of heaven on earth. We are the people of God. We are saints of heaven. Come on. Somebody this morning. We are, we are the, God has put the most powerful people on earth. The Holy Spirit is in you. And, and we have to be, make up our mind this morning that we are going to walk in the love and the power of God. Now, I'm going to tell you this morning. I'm not preaching a political sermon. I'm not preaching for you to get on your Facebook and vote Proposition A or B or this person or that person. I'm not telling you this morning to be anti-homosexuality. I'm not telling you to be anti-this or anti-this. I'm telling you, be pro-Jesus. It's all about Him. You preach the gospel. Don't be preaching political stuff. Amen? It's not about all of that. The early church, you don't see a single political message in in the New Testament or in the early church. They preached Jesus Christ and that was enough. We just need to preach the cross and the death, burial, and the resurrection, the second coming of Jesus Christ, and let everybody know that is what's going to make heaven and hell right there. Amen? All right, so number one, you've got a promise of a hard road. Number two, you've got the promise of joy. Somebody say joy. The promise of joy. Look with me in in, uh, John chapter 15, verse 11. Christ promises His followers they'll not only survive hard times, but they are going to thrive in them. Is it possible... Uh, this morning that you believe that even though hard times are coming, there is coming a day. And I, I hear defeatist pastors. I see negativity just spanning Facebook from all types of Christians. But one thing we're lacking is that Jesus Christ, He said, yeah, there's going to be hard times, but you're going to thrive in the joy of the Lord. Now, that's where we need to be standing this morning, church. There's way too much negativity. The world's got the message of negativity. We have the message of joy. So that joy of the Lord. Uh, and He says... Matthew 5, he had already told them at the very beginning of his ministry, and he's bookending this in John 15, 11. Matthew 5, at the very beginning of his first Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And, and so you know if you're being persecuted, you're doing something right. He says, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, not because of your Facebook post but because of Jesus, right? He says, rejoice and be glad. 
Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven great, in the same way they persecuted the prophets before you. Now look with me, John fifteen eleven. So that, that's the beginning of his ministry. And in the end, he says, These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. I, first thing I read that, I said, Are you crazy? Here you go. Guys, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be hated. You're going to be murdered. You're going to be stoned. Some of you are going to be filleted like a fish. I've sold you this so you can have joy. Like, what are you, what in the world, Jesus? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Scripture declares throughout the New Testament, church, we are supposed to be a people who patiently endure when people try to silence us and intimidate us or try to kill us or arrest us. We should be thankful, Scripture tells us, for persecution because it makes our faith stronger and it causes us to appreciate the grace of God, James says. Are we a people who are joyful? That means full of joy. Joyful, full of joy. Are we a people that when the world says, man, I don't understand, we're taking all the rights away, but these people just keep getting happier and happier. Is that the message that we're producing today, church? Is that the message that we see coming out of the church today? That the more they're taking our rights, the more they want to take prayer to schools, the more they want to put uh, all these agendas up on Capitol Hill, and the, that we just get happier. Not matter, not more angry, not negative, but happier. Because... Jesus said, this is for your joy. Now look at this. Look at uh, six, chapter 16, verse 22. John chapter 16, verse 22. Because here's where your joy must be found. Your joy and my joy is in one thing. It is in a resurrected Jesus Christ. Your joy and my joy is in a resurrected Jesus Christ. He told His disciples, He says, hey guys, I'm going to die but he says, when you'll see me again, he says, I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from you. We used to sing a song, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. Uh, there's something that Jesus, he's saying, guys, when you really realize that I am alive and death can't hold me and everything I've said to you is true, that I'm coming back and I'm giving you the power from on high. Heaven's going to come down and be with you, in you, and come upon you. Your joy is going to explode. And there's nothing, no man, no woman, no child, nor government, nor economy, nor pocketbook, nor bank account can tell you that you shouldn't have some joy in you. He says, I'm telling you, when you get a revelation that Jesus Christ is alive and sitting on the throne, this world is not my home, but I am heaven bound. And God, that is a true reality that this word of God is real. And guys, there is a fullness of joy that should overtake us. Man, every day is a good day because Jesus is alive. Somebody believe that this morning? Every day is a good day. Because Jesus is alive. He's on the throne. He says, guys, when, when you see, when I see you again, no one will take your joy from you. I think today we've allowed other people to take our joy from us. We've allowed the economy to take our joy. We've allowed relationships to take our joy. We've allowed our finances to take our joy. We've allowed the political scene to take our joy. But we need to take that back this morning. We need to say, you know what, God? You are on the throne. God, I am a child of God. We are the people of God. And we're going to win. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. We've got the end results. It's going to happen. Jesus Christ is going to come back. He's going to... Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. We had an old... There's an old 
Baptist hymn we, we used to sing, Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. And it goes on to say, All fear is gone because I know He holds the future. Is that not true? I, Because He lives, we can be joyful. Be full of joy that Jesus is alive today. He's returning. Number one, you're going to have hard times. Number two, but you have a promise of joy. Number three, you have the promise of truth. You know, sometimes I think it feels like uh, the Holy Spirit's really not in the world today. I mean, uh, we, we look at those videos we saw this morning of Africa and just the sea and the multitude of people, and we're like, man, God, where is that? Like, as far as you could see, did you see those pictures? As far as you could see was people just to hear the message of Jesus Christ. And then, you know, we're like working hard just to fill up a sanctuary here, you know? And, and he says, and you look at this and you're like, man, God, all these, there's just a lack of truth in this world. There's a lack in our, in our, in our nation and our, our young people and, and Hollywood and, and the political scene. Where's the truth? There's no conviction of sin. Television's increasingly more and more immoral every day. Uh, there are more shows I ever thought I'd have to turn off. Uh, and, and watch what I watch. You know, it's like a two, now that I have a two-year-old, I'm like, you can't even let commercials come on in, in the middle of the room while she's playing in the living room. It's ridiculous. There's just an absence of truth, an absence of morality. And sometimes I think we feel like we're alone. And it's like, God, we're losing this thing, right? Anybody ever feel that way? Like, man, I just like, this is, this has happened rapidly. Those are the young people, and I'm young, but uh, I've at least lived old long enough to know how fast it's happening uh, more than it ever, you know, I just don't remember it even in my younger years it being this way. And, and I look, God, where's, where's the truth? John chapter 16, verse 8. Here's your third promise. He says, And the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in Me, and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father. And you'll no longer see Me. And concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is here today. And whether we see it or not, he is convicting the world of sin. Now, that doesn't mean they're returning to him, but there is a stronger and stronger conviction going out in the world. And the more the reason, church, the reason they are persecuting the church today is because they hate the conviction. They know about sin. They know what they're doing is wrong. Somewhere inside of them, the Holy Spirit is telling them, and it's that rebellion against God's authority. And so when there's an absence of truth and we see an increase of persecution, what we really understand today is that that means the Holy Spirit is working because God is judging this world and preparing for His soon and rapid return. Man, that if you, the more and more you see this happening at this rapid rate, that means the Holy Spirit is working and working and the men's hearts are growing cold, just like He promised. These are signs of the times, church. This means He's coming. The Spirit of truth is here. And He says, even though you think the world has no truth, He says, the Spirit of truth will be with you. You'll have truth. You question, God, is this right or wrong? God... Should I vote this way? Let's just be honest. Should I vote this way or not? God, should, should I keep my kids in school or not? God, should I, should I watch this television thing or not? God, should I talk this way? Should, am I negative today? Am I joyful? The Holy Spirit is going to be bringing revelation to you. The Holy Spirit is going to bring truth to you on what to do and how to live in these days. He is the Holy 
Spirit, meaning He is leading you into the holy presence of God. Um, he's exposing sin in the world. And he's, His goal, His number one goal is to wake people up to their need of forgiveness and tell them Jesus is coming. God is coming to judge the world. He knows that He shows us how our sin is producing death in us and sending us to this eternal hell. And He leads us to true repentance. And, and He likewise, He shows us that Jesus is the Son of God. And He gives us the power. He's the advocate, meaning He is the one who comes alongside and gives strength. That's what it means, advocate. He is the comforter or the advocate. The Holy Spirit of truth comes alongside of you in these final days and He's going to give you strength. He's going to give you truth. He's going to give you holiness in the character of God. Now more than ever, church, we need to be a people about the Holy Spirit. Now more than ever, we need to be a people who are speaking the truth of God. We can be encouraged that while the world is lacking holiness and truth, you and I have been promised to be filled with the truth and the power of God. Number four, peace. Number four, you have the promise of peace. You've got the promise of truth. You have the promise of joy, the promise of truth, the promise of peace. You know, Jesus, we know, okay, so, man, we get the joy comes when we realize, uh, and I pray we get a revelation this morning that Jesus is really alive. I think we know, sometimes we know it in our head. We don't really know it in our heart or our spirit. We get that revelation. Man, Jesus is alive. Okay, God, I got the joy. All right, God, I'm comforted. I've got strength today. There is truth in me. God, your word is true. Even though I see the world is being convicted, I know you're out there working, God. I believe in faith you're out there working, even though I, don't, I can't see it, God. You say, okay, God. He says, I'm going to give you the promise of peace. The promise of peace. You and I have a reason today not to have peace, but you and I have a choice. Look in John chapter 14, verse 1. These are just kind of jumping back here. John chapter 14, verse 1. He says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in me. Or sorry, believe in God. Believe also in me. And he goes on in verse 27. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, but do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Jesus is warning them. He says, guys, you're going to find hatred. You're going to find persecution. You're going to find tribulation. But I'm going to give you some peace. You know, you think, well, God, couldn't you just give us an easy way out? God, couldn't you just make it where we could just have a good revival? You know, I've been listening to a, a popular pastor recently, and I just he made a statement. He's like, guys, sometimes we want this great revival in our churches, uh, but God didn't really promise it in the way that we often think that He did. A lot of times, it wasn't this great mass sea like we see on you know happening in Africa right now. A lot of times in the New Testament, it was just a handful of believers being persecuted, but God was moving in their midst. Uh, and He says... I'm not, I'm not taking you out of this bubble. I'm not going to give you all of your needs and, and make it be a comfortable life for you. You have to rely on me. You've got to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to come in. He says, I'm going to give you this peace, but take courage. I have overcome the world. 1633. Paul takes these words to heart. And he says, guys, you know, Paul, man, he was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was, he, they threw Paul off a cliff. Man, like a 20-foot a cliff. Threw him off a cliff. And then when he fell to the bottom, they took stones and they, over their head, threw them down and landed on him. Anybody ever done that before? With, you know, for Jesus, right? Being bitten by a snake, shipwrecked. He was arrested in prison. You know, in the prisons that Paul was in, 
They didn't have the television and the internet and the Facebook for prisoners like we do today. Uh, Paul lived in a dungeon for years. Uh, and he, the, the way that it worked, I'll just be graphic this morning because you have to understand the persecution and how he wrote this verse. If you were in the, there was no pump plumbing, if you will, there was a hole in the floor. And the upper level toilet dropped openly through the second level, through another hole. So it would be like incoming. You'd be in your cell and things would just be draining down the wall of your cell. Feces and all these things, right? Gnats and maggots and flies and all this. And this is where he lived. And listen to how he writes this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. He says, guys, we are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not despairing. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Only a person who's been to that place can write that. Because I've got the promise of peace in Jesus. Can you imagine being in a, in a cell with just uh, all kinds of diseases falling from the ceiling above you in the dark dungeon? You're only relying... You don't get a three square meal a day. The only meals you get is what the church comes to visit you to bring you some bread. You get sick. If you get sick, you're dead. There's just disease, just rats everywhere. And he's saying, guys, I've been to that place, but I have peace in Jesus. It's not overcoming me, but I know that he overcome the world. So if he overcome the world, I'm overcoming the world in him. And, and look at what we complain about today, church. Come on. We have the peace of God. We need to uh, hold on to this word, this, this Bible and say, God, it's not just some feel good. Pick me up. This is the life giving peace and joy of the Holy Spirit. We're just... We're, we're, we're struggling over if our car breaks down or, God, if we, we, we don't have this or we don't have the cable that we used to... I had to cut my cable off because the economy got bad. Heaven forbid. But guys, do we have the peace of God that is going to lead us through some troubled times that we are guaranteed to experience in this country? We've got to get back and say, God, Lord, we need to get away from everything in this world and say, God... We don't need anything but the presence of God in our lives. That's the only thing that we're going to experience in heaven. May it be the thing that is getting us through now. And now look what he says. He says, you, he says, do not let your heart be troubled. And he says in chapter 16, verse 33, take courage. You know what that means? You and I, have, those are action words. He says, you and I have a choice. He says, do not let it. Come upon you that you lose your peace. Take courage. That means you got to do something. That means we got to make up our mind, church, and say, guys, I don't care what this situation is. Situation, I'm telling you, I've got peace in Jesus. You know, that circumstance or that problem or that situation, guys, I'm making a decision. I'm making up my mind to stand upon the Word of God by faith and in the power of the Holy Spirit. I will not fear, for God is with me. Amen? Sometimes you just got to, you know, you go through those, those things and you, when we lose that the Word of God is right up in here and right in here, that situation comes, it is going to easily overwhelm you. It's going to be the biggest deal in the world. You're going to be taking all kinds of medicine to get through. You're going to want to sleep it off. You're going to want to drink it off. You're going to want to gossip it off and, and put it on Facebook just to get some release of this trouble that you're in. But you've got to make up your mind that this is truth. This is the Word of God. And it's not going to just come upon you like, ooh, I took a pill of Jesus' peace and it just made me all feel rosy on the inside. That's not how it works. 
You say, this is the word of God, and I don't care what the world may bring. This is truth. This is life. This is what's going to get us through. Amen? Promise of peace. Number five, he says, you're going to have the promise of answered prayer. Man, this is a good one. Promise of answered prayer. He says, if you become a kind of believer like this, if you're a believer who trusts in his words, because we've got the joy, got the peace, got the truth in us, we move on to the prayer. If you believe Christ at his word, and if you get joyful because he's risen and coming back, if you get peaceful because you have the presence of God, if you've got the holiness and truth of the Spirit in you, now you, then, you, then you can read this verse right here, John 14, verse 13. He says this, when you're walking by faith in the Spirit, he says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. And he says it this way in chapter 15, verse 7. He says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. What is he saying there? Is he saying, I can pray for that Lamborghini and get it now? No. Is he saying, I can pray for that job that he's not wanting me to have and get it? No. Is he saying he's going to bless your bank account when he wants you to give all your money away? Uh, maybe not. Uh, he's saying, when you pray in my name, you know what that means? It means when you pray prayers like Jesus would pray. When you pray prayers that Jesus would pray. I'm on my knees, God. What is Jesus wanting to pray to the Father? The Holy Spirit, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit prays with groanings, interceding inside of you, praying according to the will of the Father, right? And, and that's the job of the Holy Spirit, to bring and reveal Jesus inside of you, right? He's saying, anything you ask that's going to bring glory to my God, anything you ask that's going to further the kingdom mission, anything you ask that's going to get you through these times and help you to see God revealed, anything that's going to see some souls saved, anything that's going to uh, give a testimony of greatness to God, and anything that's going to be about the kingdom and this other world and heaven and hell. He says, you ask those things, you better believe, church, I'm going to answer. He's not going to answer selfish prayers. He's not going to answer prayers that are going to glorify me or, or lead to my downfall or that aren't going to put me in the perfect will of God. So we say, God, how do you want me to pray, Jesus? God, I pray for revival in our churches. God, I pray for their youth to be saved. God, I'm praying for your kingdom to grow. God, I'm praying for your churches to grow. God, I'm praying for lost people to be found delivered, set free, marriages to be restored. Those are the kind of prayers God wants our church to be praying. I'm tired of these weak prayers. I'll be honest, I went to a prayer meeting with some pastors uh, a little while ago, and, and I just the prayers is just, Lord, Lord Jesus, we know it's troubled times. Hallelujah. We're, you're with us. Man, come on. Let's pray. You know? Let's believe God that when He says, you want to see God move in your town, pray it, it'll be done. If you believe it, Ask it in His name for His glory, He says. And He says the key word is if you abide in Me, if you're being in Him and about Him and you're getting all your supply and nutrients from Him and you're willing to be that branch that passes that, that nutrients on to produce a fruit into someone else, that's when He begins to say, you know what, I can use that person over there. If I bless that person over there, they're going to do some good kingdom work with it. Man, I'll give them that job, they're going to see those coworkers saved. Man, I, I, I give them that finances, they're going to see those missionaries resource. See, that's how God is doing this stuff, right? It's a big masterpiece. And sometimes we want to say, God, I really need to get through this time. Help me, help me, help me. 
Well, we're not praying about other people. We're praying about us, right? And we wonder why our prayers aren't being answered. We feel more frustrated. And they're like these, these constipated Christians, like, I'm not blessed and I, this is the Word of God and I'm losing my faith. But it's like, it says right here, glorify the Son in your prayers. Church, let us be praying some heaven on earth. Let's be praying the power of God to see people's lives change because this world doesn't matter. The things of this world don't matter. It's heaven's real, okay? Hell's real, okay? This world is passing and fading. It's going to all burn. Those four-wheelers, those ATVs, those mobile homes, that retirement, your 401k, it's gone. Heaven, you won't care, all right? Think about eternity. Francis Chan, he wrote in his book, uh, uh, one of his books, I don't know. But he said, you know, I, th- I think people are more worried about the last 10 years and fret and think about over the last 10 years of their life instead of worrying and thinking about the next, the future 10,000 or 10 million years to come. Think of it in perspective. Am I worried about the last 10 years of my life and what I've done and what I've accomplished and what I'm going to do in the next 10? Or am I thinking about the next million of what God has got going on? He says, guys, think about this. I'm promising you answered prayer. The condition of an answered prayer is loving and believing in Jesus, abiding in Him. I believe God is waiting for us to pray prayers that glorify Christ, and He's willing to answer them. And He says these signs will begin to follow those who believe like that. He's going to begin moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. When He sees a church, man, if we become a church in, in central Louisiana, just begins to have a heart for the lost, and begins to pray and intercede for the lost, begins to pray and intercede for our schools. Hell can't stop that revival. But you and I have to be together, one mind, one accord, say, God, this is what we're invested in. God, this is what we're believing in. We're, we're believing. I mean, do you, are you with me, church? Do you believe that God would do it if we would yet just ask? and Say, God, we want to abide in you. We're, we're not about our own lives anymore. I'm not about my own family units and just me and, and my family and my, you know, my, my cookouts and my fish fries. and Yeah, those are good things. We love our families. Being about our fa- But guys, we're all family. The lost people, man, if they get saved, they'll be your family too in heaven for eternity. Right? Let's think bigger than us for and no more. Man, there's lost people. Okay, I'm getting off that. All right. Promise of answered prayers. Number six, promise of power. Promise of power, he said, rejoice in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Matthew 5. Stop right there. He says, rejoice because they were persecuting the prophets who were before you. I looked at that verse when I was praying over our message this morning. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Rejoice because they were persecuting the prophets. God, are we a prophetic people? What does that mean? Missionally, some of us are going to think, well, you know... Crazy, charismatic, mysticism, future-telling, you know, apocalyptic, the harbinger and all that stuff. You know, the blood moons and all that. That's not what prophetic means. The word prophetic in the Old Testament means simply this. Thus saith the Lord. The Holy Spirit came upon men and women of old and in the New Testament, and it gave them the word of the Lord for their day. And so when you say that we are a prophetic people... It means that we are a people filled with the truth, the Word of God, and are thus speaking it forth for this generation today. That's what prophetic means. It's not this 
weird mysticism stuff, right? It means the Holy Spirit has given us a word for today, for this generation, based right here. And I ask, I ask him that question. He says, you'll rejoice because they persecuted like they persecuted the prophets. That, you know, that means we've got to be a thus saith the Lord kind of people. We need to be a prophetic, a people that says, God, we need a word from the Lord for today. And he says, the power of God comes upon a people like that. You know, there's a tendency to back down, to be quiet, to settle for a status quo, to blend with society, to kind of hide our values, you know, be timid at work or at school, not share the word of God. You know, in Scripture, I see a group of humble fishermen not only just engage an entire pagan Roman empire, but in 300 years had conquered it by saving the emperor himself. The whole Roman world, after 300 years, became a Christian empire. It started out with 12 humble fishermen. Think about that. Think about the power of God that rests in you today. Think about John the Baptist, filled with the Holy Spirit. He preached repentance and faith in Christ, saw a great revival. So great, in fact, was John the Baptist's spirit-filled revival when he preached repentance and the bold truth of Jesus Christ's coming that it was 30 years later in the book of Acts that people had still and were still hearing about John the Baptist's ministry long after he had been dead. And, and you think about uh, Peter, this humble fisherman in Acts chapter 2, the power of Pentecost comes down. 3,000 people get saved when he preaches what? Repentance and faith in Jesus. The bold proclamation, he says, uh, he tells him, he says, with many more words he did tell them, be saved from this perverse generation. He had a relevant word for that generation that day. What is God speaking to us? And how is He filling us with the power of God? But you say, maybe that's that coworker you've been knowing for years, or that person at your school, or that, that neighbor across the street. Is God filling you with the bold power, the prophetic power of God, to be able to have a, uh, like that two-edged sword, the Word of God is, that would pierce the heart of that person and say, this is a word from God for you today. I believe God wants to tell you this. I believe, and then the boldness. I, I, I was the most shy, quiet person in my graduating class, probably. Uh, I was at the back of the room. I never raised my hands in worship. I never wanted, I played the harmonica on stage in our church without a microphone for years just because I was so nervous. I didn't want to be heard. Uh, you know, but when the Holy Spirit comes... You cannot deny His power, His boldness. Uh, and now, you know, we, we took our church here, door-to-door outreaching, uh, door-to-door prayer uh, a couple months ago. And I didn't have a butterfly in my stomach to go knock on a stranger's door. And, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the team will tell you that went with us. There was just a, an awesome experience where God just moves. Because we say, God, I'm stepping out of my comfort zone and saying, God, I need the power of the Holy Spirit. To come upon me to now, some of us don't have a problem talking to people, right? Uh, uh, but some of us do. I need the power of God. He says we'll see greater works because of the Holy Spirit, and we'll preach the gospel boldly, despite being intimidated or threatened. And he says that Matthew ten twenty, the Holy Spirit in that day and hour. Don't think about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will speak in you. And before he left, Acts one eight, we know this verse well. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. 
I need the power of God to make it through tomorrow. You and I need the power of God to make it through the coming days. Your children, your grandchildren need the power of God to make it. The last one, I'm going to close with this. The last one is the promise of revelation. He tells us that, man, not only all this happened, I I almost didn't even add this one in, but I didn't want to skip it out. He says, John chapter 16, verse 13, he says, The Holy Spirit will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. He'll glorify me, and He'll take mine, and He'll disclose it to you. And all things the Father has that are mine, therefore... I say that he'll take of mine and disclose it to you. There's a show on right now, a a survival show I was watching on Netflix. And the the premise of it is this. They take these city slickers out and they put them out in like uh, the American wilderness, right? In some deserts and stuff. But they put them in an earpiece in their ear. And all across the wilderness is these cameras and these drones and everything. And these guys who've never like killed a snake or started a fire from scratch, uh, they're just trying to survive like a trek, like a 70-mile trek through the wilderness uh, over a course of a weekend. But along the way, there's an expert wilderness Navy SEAL kind of guy in their ear. And he's saying, okay, no, 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 don't go that. Don't touch that snake. It's poisonous. Run from that or climb up that wall. Watch your foothold. All right, watch out behind you. There's some loose rocks. And along the way, there's these, these nobodies are surviving with expert advice in their ear. And immediately I was like, that is the Holy Spirit right there. There is a world, God, that I don't know how to live in. God, I don't know how to raise my daughter in this coming world. I don't know how to lead this church in the coming days. But it's the Holy Spirit that you and I need to lead our families and, and friends. And along the way, He's going to be like, no, 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 don't go that way. All right, hey, Jesus says, go over here, right? Eat of this, don't go that, drink of this, uh, read that, tell that person. He says, and God is going to begin to disclose to you. He's going to bring revelation to you. And he says in Matthew 27, what I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim on the housetops. We have got to be a spirit-filled, prophetic people of God in these last days where the Holy Spirit, from young person to old person, when we sleep at night, is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? When you walk through the grocery store, is your antenna up? You know, you got the old cell phones where you had the antenna. You didn't always get reception everywhere, so you make it longer, right? You know, uh, or do we have reception from God? Are we hearing that little earpiece and saying, God, He's like, hey, listen. I'm trying to tell you something. We're like, you know, I got toilet paper, paper towels. I got to get deodorant. Okay, all right, that person. Oh, I know them, but avoid avoid that person. You know, and go over here, right? That's what we do in Walmart, right? Come on, y'all, be honest. I know how you are. But he's like, hey, listen, listen. I want you to shout something from the rooftops. Hey, listen. I'm going to give you a word for your daughter or your son today. Hey, listen. I'm going to give you a word for your coworkers today. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something that's going to change your life today. Man, are we a people about the presence of God? Seven promises you have today. You have a choice. What are we going to do? Where's your team? Would you come? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We have a promise of hard road. We have a promise of joy in a living and resurrected Jesus. We have a promise of truth today. And the Holy Spirit, the Advocate. We have a promise of peace today in the presence of God. We have a promise today for 
answered prayer and for power today. We have a promise today of revelation uh, by the Holy Spirit. These words were spoken by Jesus Christ before He died. He wanted you to know them today. And more than anything, He wants you to know Him. And if you're here today and you do not know the resurrected Jesus Christ, if you do not have peace with God, if you are dead man walking today, if, if you died today, you don't have peace with God. The Bible says that we would be eternally separated from Him without repentance and faith, belief in Him, who He is. The Bible says if we die in our sins, we will be eternally separated from God. To die without Him is to go to hell and to the lake of fire for eternity where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. There is no more chances after that, church. This is life and death. This is heaven and hell. This is a reality that the world unknowingly lives in. And today is the day of salvation. Do you have peace with God today? Do you have a revelation of who Jesus Christ is? Is He Lord of your heart? Is He your Master, your Savior, your friend? Are you living your life under His authority? Are you willing to give up your authority today? You're here today and you say, Pastor Heath, I want to make a decision to follow Christ, to leave my authority and leave my life behind and ask Jesus to cleanse me of all sin. The Bible says He is faithful and just just to do that, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness and adopts you as His own child if you but follow Him. Follow Him. If you're here today and you say, that's me, Pastor Heath, I need to make that decision today. If you just raise your hand, I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else here today? God, I want to know you more. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, God. Hallelujah, Lord God. We're just renewing our hearts and lives in Jesus Christ today. Maybe you're making that recommitment today. I'm just going to pray a prayer. And if you're in that place, maybe you're just in a questionable place. And you think, I think I'm saved. I know I'm saved. But you want to just be sure you just invite the Prince of God. It's not a prayer that a pastor prays. It's something you pray from your heart. And it's a willful choice to, like that prodigal son, leave the slop of this world and just run towards your Father who wants to embrace you. Father God, I just turn from my sin today and I turn towards Jesus. God, I ask You to forgive me of sin. Cleanse my heart. Fill me with the presence of God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe He is the Son of the living God. I believe He is God. And I believe He came to this earth. He died on the cross for me. And He rose again, Lord, and, and took my sin to the grave. And Lord, and He's coming back. And I confess You, Jesus, Lord, Savior, and friend. And I give my life to follow You. You pray a prayer like that and you believe it in your heart. And you walk out of this place living by faith in that declaration. You are saved. Don't let the devil tell you you're not. And if you fall... Here and there, if you make a mistake, you just keep getting back up, keep repenting, keep moving forward. You're not having to get saved again and again and again, but you're just continuing to grow in that journey to to go from sin and, and to continue to walk in the Spirit.